I want you to open your Bibles this morning over to a little bitty book, almost the last book of the Bible just before it's called Jude. It's a small book just before the Revelation, and I'm going to join you there in a moment. I am going to ask you to listen on purpose this morning. Uh, Today is a world full of turmoil, and I won't rehearse it. But there's a little postage stamp book just before the Revelation, and it is powerful. It is a powerful little book. I do not know what 2021 is going to bring, but I do know who has designed 2021, and I know who even before we began, God wrote the inning, Jeremiah said, then wrote the beginning to match it. Nothing takes God by surprise. How many of you are glad you're in the hands of omnipotence? Bless his name. Nothing surprises God. Parents, I'm going to ask you to listen, and young people hear me today, and all of you on the live stream. I felt extremely driven to speak this by the Holy Spirit. Let me just mention Jude again. We'll read it in just a moment, but let me give you a description of it, then you'll see it when we read it. Jude was moved by the Holy Spirit to write about the things that are to come. Actually, he intended to write, and you'll hear it, to write about the common salvation. He was going to write about the salvation through Christ and all that that entails, but I like to put it like this. Let's put Jude in front of a TV channel and say, uh, we're going to talk about the news today, and suddenly there's late-breaking news, there's a news alert, and the Holy Spirit said, Jude, I know what you intended, but here's a late-minute news flash. And it changed the entire direction of what Jude was going to write. And it has its purpose because in just the next few Pages, we're going to see the revelation of the Christ that John saw. But watch Jude set it up. I mean, it's, it's powerful words. I'm going to look at verse 3 of Jude. Beloved, how many of you want to be in that crowd? That's my crowd right there. I want to be in the crowd, beloved. While I was very diligent to write to you concerning the common salvation... I found it necessary to write to you exhorting. That word means constraining, compelling you to what? To contend. Say it with me, to contend. To contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain men have crept in unnoticed who long ago were marked out for this condemnation. God had said they would come and they did. Ungodly men, let me just put us into present day and go back to the beginning of verse 4. For certain men have crept in unnoticed who long ago were marked out for this condemnation. Ungodly men who turn the grace of God into lasciviousness or lewdness and deny the only Lord God and the Lord Jesus Christ. But I want to remind you, though you once knew this, that the Lord having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, and I want you to mark that reference. 
having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterwards destroyed those who did not believe. I want you to know they were destroyed by their own choice. Everybody makes a choice. Those who did not believe. Verse 6, And the angels, and let me just go in reference here, the angels who did not keep their proper domain, but left their own abode, he has reserved an everlasting change under darkness of the judgment of the great day. Sin actually did not begin in the Garden of Eden. It continued. Sin actually, in heaven, where a rebellion was led, began with two words. Sin came into existence with a rebellious spirit out of Lucifer, and he said, I will. And that set the direction and the power of sin on its journey. I will exalt myself. I will be the most high. I will be the shining star. I will be the center of it all. I will, I will, I will. And God cast him and a third part of the angels, which is what is in reference here, they left their domain, a third part of the angels to earth and Waiting on that earth for Adam and Eve was one who dedicated himself to ruin them with the same philosophy that ruined him, I will. His message was, God's holding out on you. You need to do what you want to do. Do what you want. You're what count. You're the center of the universe. I will, I will, I will. Destroyed Satan, a third of the angels. And look how many billions. That same old message is there today. But no one that's ever followed the I will concept of sin has ever turned out a winner. Satan's never produced a winner. God never produces a loser. I'm ever glad you're under the blood of Christ. Contend for the faith. Saints, ladies and gentlemen, young people, I want to say in this streaming all over, I wish America would hear. I know there's much better preachers. I understand that. But I want to declare to you today, listen on purpose. I have a college students here, several of them, and high school students and military and all of that. Faith is something you must not take for granted. Just because you have faith to meet the need one day doesn't mean you will automatically have a strong faith every day. Unless you nourish faith... It will not stay strong. Let me just declare to you, Satan will see to it. Today I'm older than I used to be. What a profound statement. <laughs> I thought you'd enjoy <laughs> You don't believe this. I mentioned last week when I was 17 or 18, I had a full head of hair, really dark and, and uh, bulky and all up there. Boy, I'm telling you, I had that and I was a little vain with it, but things have changed. Today, I can't run a great amount of distance. I just can't run like I used to. I used to run track. I used to high jump. I used to do all those things. And uh, I'm just no longer physically in that shape, though it doesn't show, I'm sure. <laughs> That's just my life has passed. Thank you, John. Amen. Time has passed, but I want to say something. On the other hand... I trust that my faith is stronger today than it was 10, 20, 50 years ago. When I was young, 
my faith wasn't nearly as strong as it is today, Pastor. Why? Because I want to share with you, I have worked diligently to keep my faith in shape. I've been through tempest and trials and struggles, and I have watched God through every chapter, and He is just as He says, faithful to the end, always the same yesterday, today, and forever. He has kept His word these years. Every day in the Word, every day in prayer, every day in spiritual discipline that I might become more like the Christ. Jude said, earnestly contend for the faith. But I need to ask a question, which faith? I want you to watch what I'm going to do today because I want you to know that right up front, I'd like to preach the entire book of the book of uh, Colossians, which sets Christ as the supreme of all religious people. He rules and reigns over all. And I'm going to show all of you who today say, why is Christianity think it's the only one? I'm going to answer some of that because that's the faith we should contend for. So here we go. Which faith? This one. The faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord. Paul in 2 Corinthians describes this faith that we believe carefully. Follow me, 2 Corinthians 2, I'm going to read beginning at verse 1. Paul writes to the church at Corinth, And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness. Let, let me just tell you, Paul's saying, I came without pretense. I was real. I didn't put on airs. I didn't try to smoke you with the veneer. I just came in a genuine truth. I was with you in weakness, in fear, in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with per persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit of power. That your faith should not be in the wisdom of men. Listen to me. If you are following religious wisdom and philosophy and belief systems of mere men, you are in eternal danger. Our world is blind spiritually. Not with the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. What a powerful statement from Paul. I just want to say this. Our faith is a faith in Jesus Christ. Secondly, our faith is not just based on Christ's teaching. There have been many teachers, but he was the supreme teacher. It is also based not just on his miracles, though they were plenty and miraculous. It is not just based on his life story that from even the prophecies of 4,000 years, he finally came. It is Our faith is much more than just a guru or a teacher or some philosophy or something that men should believe as purported. It goes much further than teaching and miracles and a prophet and a life story. It goes all the way to the crucifixion. 
The crucified Lord is central to our faith, but it goes far beyond the cross. It is also based on the demonstration of the power of God. And thank God, God does work among us. God still is in the miracle business. But it goes far beyond that. Because some people through the power of Satan can look like they do miracles. And some of them can look as if they have sacrificed certain things. But ours goes much further. This faith we have goes on to the resurrection from the dead. And the only one that did. When Israel came out of Egypt and crossed the Red Sea, behind them was a land and a people that were left devastated by the plagues God had wrought. And for centuries, when Israel wanted to talk about a demonstration of the power of God, they always referenced and referred back to the deliverance from Egypt. Everything was about, look at what God did. Read it in the psalm. Read it all the way through. God did these plagues. He met this promise. Water out of a rock. He split the Red Sea. The dry ground. The cloud by day. The fire by night. The manna from heaven. All, and then he... he led them across the Jordan into a land, homes they didn't build, cities they didn't build, to crops they didn't sow. God blessed them. It was miraculous. But I want you to notice something. When Gideon came along, as you travel through Judges, when Gideon came on the scene, hundreds, some 400 plus years, if you will, had passed since Exodus from Egypt, and you arrive at Gideon's day. And when the angel appeared to Gideon, listen to this young people because this was just a young teenage boy. When the angel spoke to Gideon and said, the Lord is with you, I'm glad to know that, aren't you? When here's a young man, 400 years had passed and the angel said, the Lord is with you. Gideon demanded evidence based on those stories he had heard about, about Egypt. I think he's a smart young man. But that's what he made reference to. And listen to what he said. He said, if the Lord is with us, where are all the miracles which our fathers told us, saying, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? Just understand that everything about God's power, everything he ever did was referenced all that time, and now it's been over 400 years. Here's the thing. Gideon recognized Israel. He recognized their deliverance from Egypt as the standard for the demonstration of God's power. We, ladies and gentlemen, and I want to say thank God so, we do not reference nearly that far back as our standard of the New Testament. I'm so glad I don't live in the Old Testament. For a demonstration of God's power in this day, we reference back to the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Because it defied everything else that had ever been done. Christ's miraculous exit from the tomb far outshined Israel's deliverance. And I want you to know, I'm glad I'm in the New Testament. 
Yes, thank God for Egypt's great miracles. Thank God for afterwards. Thank God for the exodus. But I want you to know the fact that God's son died and rose again, ladies and gentlemen, is enough to know that if he can do that, he has power over it all. But listen, the resurrection is still only part of what we contend for. And, And isn't that enough? Isn't it enough? It's, I'm just telling you, go try your guru. Go try your Muhammad. Go try all the gurus you want. They're already, le- already left behind. Christ is superior to all of it. That resurrection is only part of what we contend for. For our faith is based on, can I say, even more. I, I feel like a, 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 a sales presentation on television, but wait, you can double it. Well, this is far better than that. Even more. On teachings of Christ, yes. Contend. On the miracles of Christ, yes. On his entire life story, his virgin birth. Read it all. Nothing is like that. Nothing can compare to that. Even the crucifixion, there have been many people died, but none of them were innocent. God's son was innocent, and he died for your and my sin and our guilt. And then on to resurrection. But Jesus went further. He not only resurrected from the dead, He ascended from this earth to heaven and is seated right now at the right hand of the Father. No other prophets there. Nobody else is sitting at the right hand of God. Nobody else ascended like that. The only ones that did, God took them. Enoch in the Old Testament. Elijah. Ephesians 1. These verses 20 and 21, listen to what Paul said. He said, God raised him, meaning Christ, from the dead and set him on his right hand in heavenly places, far above. Listen to it. This puts all the other religions, this puts all the other prophets, so-called. It puts all the philosophers down. It puts them in their place. Far above, Christ is exalted, far above all principalities, All power, all might, and dominion, and every name that is named. Not only in this world, but in also the world which is to come. He is the ultimate supreme of all religious teachers. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. And contend for that faith, Pastor? Absolutely. Because there's nothing like it to even compare. Nothing compares to this Savior of my soul. But can I say it's even more? Pastor, what he, it still goes further. Jesus was born. He taught. He performed miracles. He was crucified. He rose again. He ascended at the right hand of the Father. And here's what we're waiting for. And I think it's just around the corner to finish up. He's coming again. <laughs> I want to tell you something, Muhammad's not coming back. He's gone. If you like Confucius, he was, he's gone. He's not coming back. And a lot of people don't understand about Hinduism. They think Buddha's a god. Buddha's not a god. He's a representation to pray to, to get you to Navarna and all that kind of stuff. But let me just tell you something. The only one that's coming back is Jesus Christ. First Thessalonians, Paul wrote, he said, The Lord himself shall descend with the shout. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you something. In 2020, on 
January the 10th, in the midst of struggles and defeat and tragedies, in the midst of all life's pressure and all the things that come against us in the spirit realm and against our minds, we have something to look forward to. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus is returning. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Our faith, our entire message to the world centers around one person, Jesus Christ. But I declare to you, He wasn't just a human. He was also fully God, divine. No other human being has been divine. And we can try to canonize them and sanctize them and all that, but I want to tell you, they're just mere people. Our faith is in Him. Our faith is in His virgin birth. It's in His sinless life. It's in His vicarious atoning death. It's in His burial. It's in His resurrection. It's in His ascension to the right hand of the Father. And it's in His coming again. Our faith, ladies and gentlemen, is a faith of hope and comfort and blessing. And that's why it's superior to every religion that man will ever hear in any generation. Praise the Lord. So, Pastor, why fight for it? Why do we contend? Why do we have to contend for it? It would seem that a faith so wonderful would be popular. I look at what I know in this book that's been here for eternity by the author. I look at what I know to be infallible without mistake. I look at the inerrant word of God and I place it in my spirit. I see the truth of all this word and I go, why doesn't everybody, why wouldn't anyone in the world with any sense at all become a Christian? Why wouldn't this faith embraced by everyone? Why wouldn't everybody want it? Paul answers that. So I want you to listen to me today. Teenager, parents, grandparents, all of you in this sanctuary and online. There's a reason. It's the same reason that Satan, parked by one isolated tree in the Garden of Eden, do you realize there were millions and millions and millions of trees and it was blooming with beauty and God literally put Adam and Eve in a paradise and he said, I built this for you. And every blade of grass and every tree and everything about it, the moon, the stars, the sun, the, the water, the fish, the birds, the animals, they were all under man's control and God was saying, billions and billions and trillions of blades of grass and leaves, I love you, 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 I love you. What went wrong? Here's the problem. Here's what we don't understand. Love is not love until it's expressed and shared. Love is not love until there's a decision and a commitment. I've done, I've done this before. Some of you, this will be your first time to see it. God did not make Adam and Eve as a robot and plug them in. He goes, I love you. That's not love. That's a machine. Love is from the center 
deepest part of our being and it has a choice and it chooses and it gives itself away and it gives itself away and it cares and it cares and it cares and when it can no longer give any more away then it wants to give something else away that's love it must be shared so God with all this message saying I love you I love you one tree stay away don't do that and Satan parked right there And that's what he does to your life. All the truth of creation, all the truth of... And we listen to the message. God's holding out on you. You should be number one. Back to the old thing, I will, I will, I will. And we're wallowing in that today. Young people, if you believe the message perpetrated by this generation and this society that is demented spiritually, it will destroy your life and your eternity. I am bold enough to say it and bold enough to tell you. I deal with sin and situations every week in my life. And I want to tell you, Satan plays for keeps. And he'll come at your mind and try to get you to say what this world believes and what they think. And this is how you ought to be. And twisted, sick, demonic minds are having a power in our youth today. We need a revival in the United States of America of getting back to God. And this book... We try to reason with it and we try to, we say, well, you ought to be receiving of everybody. And we are. Let me tell you something. There's room at the cross, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. (coughs) Excuse me. I weary at how Satan blinds the minds of this generation. It breaks my heart. I want to tell you something on this live stream and in this sanctuary. I love your soul and your spirit. And I study and I pray to do everything I can to try to preach something, to teach you to align with the Word because this world's coming to an end and everything else that you follow other than Christ is a lie. And I'm going to use a strong word. It will bring damnation to your soul. And you can get online and you can believe all that philosophy and you can buy into all that, but all that is headed... Just like Egypt, they made a choice. And if they didn't follow with God's people, they were destroyed by their own choice. Because sitting at that one tree, God still gave Adam and Eve a a choice to decide. And you and I have the same decision today. Nobody will ever say, God forced me. But God offers, ladies and gentlemen, eternal life. So watch this. Why wouldn't everybody want it? Listen to it. Paul said, I beseech you. That word is, I I do everything I can to bring you into a reasoning. I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, meaning we are in this world, but we are not of this world. He said, as strangers and pilgrims, abstain, stay away, do not buy into, do not look like, do not talk like, do not walk like, abstain from fleshly lust. And that's not all just about sensuality. It's the whole spirit of damnation that Satan brings that from fleshly lust which war against the soul (coughs) excuse me 
I want you to notice something. When we accept Christ, we have a dual citizenship. We have an earthly citizenship in our first birth. We have a heavenly citizenship in our second birth. And we are in a spiritual conflict. Like it or not, we're in a war. Listen to Paul. Listen to the He said, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, these are spirit beings, against powers, these are evil spirits, against the rulers of darkness of this world, <coughs> and spiritual wickedness in high places. You don't have to look far to see wicked. Spirits in high places today. How many of you know I'm telling us the truth? Mom and dad, ladies and gentlemen, young people, the devil is determined to destroy your faith. The word contend here is like wrestling or boxing. It's two parties contending for the same prize. And I'm going to declare to you in 2021, if we do not contend for the faith on purpose, we will grow cold in our faith and we will lack the power to stand in this late hour because it is a late hour. So I'm going to say this and I'm, I'm, I'm coming to an ending here. I want saints, believers, Beware. I want to say a word about an unpleasant finale. There is an unpleasant finale reason for earnestly contending. I want to declare it. God's not going to say, I'll just open my hands up and I'm merciful and I'm good and all that. I really didn't mean it. There are no rights and wrongs, universalism. Everything's just one. There is sin has to be dealt with. Someday I declare to you the truth of the Word of God, the unbelievers will be destroyed. But I want to say it is by their own choice. God is not willing that any should perish. The cross was for you. The price was for you. This promise is for you. The blood is for you. God has done everything He can do, but the choice is yours. And when you choose to die and live in hell on the lake of fire, don't blame it on a holy God. Someday it's going to happen. Let me take you back to Jude. I want to read 5 and 6 again. I want to remind you through this, though the Lord had saving the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels who did not keep their proper domain but left their own abode, he has reserved an everlasting change under the darkness for the judgment of the grave. You ought to compare that to Genesis chapter 6 verse 1. If you want to know where I believe the giants came from, it was the sons of God looked upon the daughters of women. They were beautiful, and spirit beings literally had sexual intercourse with them, and we had the giants. I'm going to tell you, you can't beat the Word of God. It knows. There was a time, listen, there was a time where there was no devil. I told you before, just earlier, there was only God and His angels. But listen to me, young people. Please hear somebody pleading for your soul. Mom and Dad, please, I pray the Lord anoint these words. But there was an occasion when rebellion came in heaven. Rebellion 
came in heaven. Lucifer was given the greatest privilege in the world. He was, he was a supreme angel, one of the archangels that we know of. He didn't have to go to nirvana. He didn't have to try to strive for anything. He was among all the echelons, but rebellion in his heart. Iniquity led the rebellion, and it cost a third of the angels their eternal souls too. Guard against rebellion like you would a hot, fiery furnace. And when they rebelled, God cast them out of heaven because holiness cannot be tainted with sin. And human beings, I took you through it a while ago, Adam and Eve followed that rebellion. And we must contend for the faith because, ladies and gentlemen, I declare to you, like it or not, you always want a heaven, but you don't want a hell. You'll never have a heaven without a hell. You'll never have a hell without a heaven because there's a choice. I want to tell you something. We must contend for the faith because there is a judgment day coming. It is appointed unto all men once to die, and after that the judgment. And don't come and give me pre-incarnation and reincarnation. All in the world that is is man-made philosophy. If I blow it this time, I get another chance. What I want to understand is you're human, you're superior. Our mentality is much bigger than all the animal kingdom. We subdue it all, we do all that. And we think when we get lose it in this life and we don't make a decision, how are you going to make a decision later on if you're a frog or a tadpole? Just think about that. How absurd. Reincarnation. Some of you, that's all you're going to remember all day. If it sticks, thank God. There's going to be a judgment. Secondly, there will be false teachers. Jude 4. He said they crept in ungodly men. They turn the grace of God, watch this, into lasciviousness. That's the old King James Version. It is literally the absence of restraint, which means they're given over to a reprobate mind. I will, I will, I will, and I do, and I do, and I do. And there's no conscience. It is literally shameful conduct, and it always heads toward the barnyard behavior. I know that's plain, and I know that's straight out. But ladies and gentlemen, our world is filled with lewdness and lawlessness where man is becoming his own God. I want what I want. The same thing that cost Lucifer, same thing that cost Adam and Eve. I will, I will, I will. Ladies and gentlemen, young people, teachers abound today with shameless conduct and they are there to destroy your eternity. Don't listen to it. I want to say this morning, you will not get all the truth you need just by attending church or watching television, Christian TV, which I thank God for, and just fellowshipping with the saints. Let me get us to the very nitty-gritty. You need to get in God's book for yourself. For yourself. You need to pray fervently, personally. You must be rooted in God's Word personally. You must teach your children personally. You must be taught by God's Spirit personally. You must be able to discern false teachers and false doctrine 
false gods and to discern the time in which we live. It's called contending for the faith. And Satan will fight you on every one of those. But eternity says you must, ladies and gentlemen, contend for the faith. And pastor, why would you say that? Because I'm telling you, we're in a day like we've never been before. Listen to me. I think the church is headed, even in America, for persecution. Oh, my pastor. Why? I, I, have you ever noticed how we always swallow? And, and, and look, I, I, I think Rush Limbaugh says this. I kind of like Rush's philosophy. He says this. He said, I live in the real world. I'm the mayor of the city called reality. <laughs> Something like that. I don't know. I don't know. I just heard it one time. I thought, I like that. I don't live and play the games. But why? Why contend? Because there's an end time scenario. I want to read in Jude. Look at this. But you, beloved, remember the words that were spoken before by the apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ. How they told you that there would be mockers in the last time who would walk according to their own ungodly lusts and their greed and their power and their position and they may be in Hollywood with high-rise apartments and $200,000 sports cars, but it doesn't mean they're right in their heart with God. So many of them think because they have income way superior to mine and yours, their opinion's more important. Listen, our opinion's just important and their opinion's important and ours. Let me tell you whose opinion's eternal and that's God's. Listen, he said, they would walk according to their own ungodly lust. These are sensual persons. Everything boils down to what the flesh wants. Back to I will, I will, what I want. I'm God to myself, the trinity of me, myself, and I. I worship, we worship ourselves today. Walk according to their own ungodly lusts. They are sensual persons who cause divisions, not having the Spirit. They cannot figure it out. But you, beloved, there's that term again. Building yourselves up on a holy faith. Not on darkness and drunkenness and wantonness and debauchery and filth and child molestation and evil and murder and rioting and looting. Not on all that ugly stuff because that's the flesh in charge. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Let everybody else hate but you love. Let everybody else scorn but you love. Love somebody with the love of God. For the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ into eternal life. And on some have compassion, making a distinction. Listen, when somebody's ready to come, we ought to show them the way. But others, save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. What powerful words. Paul wrote to Timothy, 1 Timothy 4 and 1, Now the Spirit, listen to, now the spirit speaketh expressly in the latter time, some shall depart from the faith. Didn't mean they're just going to quit believing. 
Here's why. Listen to it. Giving heed, listening, buying this message of the world, buying Hollywood's message, buying the political message, buying all this, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Ladies and gentlemen, we're not just playing from people to people here. There are eternal damnable spirits after your eternity and you need to know it. The devil has at least 6,000 years experience on every person in this room. And you're no match for him outside this word and this book and the spirit of God. You're no match for him. We're in the last days. If we do not purposely contend for the Spirit, I will tell you this, you will be easily led astray. Because there are people today who are filled with the power of the enemy to try to use the words of human reason and make it so sensible and so alluring. Well, this is right. Well, yeah, sure. Well, yeah, sure. And they will literally seduce your mind to seduce your soul to seduce your spirit. How many of you know I'm telling us the truth? And we must contend for the next generation. I thank God that my mom and dad, from my birth, took me to church. When I was just a few months old, they dedicated me to God. I'm glad that my mom and dad, though imperfect, served the people of God and the house of God. They led me to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I was on the phone with a cousin yesterday, as a matter of fact, and whom I love dearly. And we were talking, and my cousin told me something I was unaware of. My parents raised me in a Christian home, but my grandparents didn't come to the Lord until some probably midlife. They had trouble sometime getting all the way into town. They lived a long way and there wasn't automobiles. They had horses. And they didn't get to church very often. Now my grandpa Brooks was a man's man. He was a hard worker and a disciplinarian. If you didn't believe it, cross it. He'd make a believer out of you. But my cousin was telling me yesterday, I went back through some of the files and I saw where our Grandpa Brooks would write every week a check for his tithe. And it was a dollar and 25 cents. And then she'd see two dollars and then 250. And she said, David, every, the biggest one I ever saw was three dollars. Because thirty dollars a week back then was a fortune, I guess. I want to tell you, I heard that and it did something to me. I'm going, Lord, I'm standing on some shoulders here. Some people who, though it was difficult, though every day, every week, they literally strive to live and eat. They kept the Lord in first place. What an what a inheritance I have. What a heritage I have. And now... I say that to say this. Now, it is my responsibility to my children and my grandchildren and to my family 
and you are my family. I want to just take a moment to read to you something from the psalm. Psalm 71. In you, O Lord, I put my trust. Let me never be put to shame. Deliver me in your righteousness and cause me to escape. Incline your ear to me and save me. Be strong as my refuge. I want you to look at verse 17 of 71. O God, you have taught me from my youth. And to this day, I declare your wondrous works. Now also when I am old and gray-headed, O God, do not forsake me until I declare your strength to this generation, your power to everyone who is to come. That is the privilege that I have every week to be in this pulpit. And I won't be the most popular preacher in town, I understand. The sad part of Gideon's story is this. He asked, if God is with us, where are the miracles? The generation just before, for some 400 years, had not walked with God. They had not known the power of God. They had not taught their children. They did not contend for the faith. And Gideon could honestly say, I have never seen anything, I have never experienced anything that would indicate anything about God, His work, His power, or His presence. What a pitiful statement on an entire generation. A few weeks before my dad died, we had just started this building. Just started it. And... I took him some pictures when they were raising these walls outside and I tried to keep him abreast of what we were doing. He'd say, son, I sure wish I could get up and go see that. He never saw this building. I just thought it necessary because I felt the pressure of being under the pressure of the finance and the money and the building and pastoring and all that. I said one day to him, I said, Dad, I want to thank you for the kind of life you lived in front of me. I want to thank you for taking me to church. I want to thank you for getting up out of a pew and getting my hand and taking me to an altar and teach me how to kneel and pray and seek the face of God. I want to thank you for putting me in Sunday school and teaching me a faith good enough to live by and strong enough to die by. Someone said this, something along these lines, the highest recommendation of the Christian faith is that no Christian ever died saying, I'm sorry I believed in Jesus. <laughs> Think about that. Think about that. So, Pastor, how to contend, and I'm through. Read it. Believe it. Confess it. Live it. Pray it. Let me take you back to Jude right quick. Build up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking to the mercy. Ladies and gentlemen, lastly, I want to say the reward of contending. 
Jude's closing words are significant. Listen to them. Now unto him who is able to keep you from stumbling. He's able to keep you from stumbling and presenting and to present you, what's the word? Faultless. Faultless. To present you faultless. I want to say, Lord, us. And if I have to, I, I give you the benefit and say, me? God, present me faultless. Before the presence of His glory with exceeding joy. It's His joy, my joy, presenting me faultless. And He goes on to say, To God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty and dominion and power both now and forever. Amen. Faultless. Here's the lesson. As we contend for the faith, God keeps us. As we contend for the faith, He leads us, He protects us, He matures us, He empowers us, and someday, He's going to literally present us faultless before the Father. Not because we're faultless, but because of His blood, and He was faultless. It's because of who He is, and it's because of whose I am, and it's because of whom I depend on, He's going to say, faultless. Genesis 20, 21. Parents. Pay the price to contend. How many of you know what I just said? Pay the price to contend. Young people. Pay the price to contend. Pastors. Spiritual leaders pay the price to contend. Saints, believers all over this world pay the price to contend because I want to tell you it's going to be worth it to hear him say, well done. You've been a faithful servant. Not to even fathom, I see you. I don't know what we're going to see in the next few days. Don't know what we're going to see this year. But I know this. The Spirit of God speaks to me. Contend for the faith. Don't get off on this joy boy stuff. And I say that with all due respect. Help me know what I'm talking about. We're too late in this hour to play church. We're too late to tickle fancies and make everybody warm and fuzzy and I'm not a doomsday person I, I love life most of you know that I probably am too much sometime out of balance having fun I don't know because I enjoy life but I enjoy it because I know whom I have believed and I'm persuaded you'll keep what I commit to him if you're in this sanctuary this morning and you have not made a commitment to the Lord or you need to repent and you need to come to God, I'm telling you, the hour is late. And today's the day. Now is the accepted time.